The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 23rd, 2020, on the basis of Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. We live in a world where someone is always watching, where a camera is always recording and where the internet lasts forever. And if you have any doubt at all about that, this past week there were two members of the sports media who were suspended from their jobs. They may still lose their jobs permanently for inappropriate and unacceptable comments that they made. The first comment was directed at people of color and it came in the form of a tweet. The person who made the comment claimed it was a complete accident, and in all fairness, it it may have been, and so he tried to delete it immediately, but by then it was already too late. Enough people had already seen it, the damage had already been done. The second comment very much was intentional, and it was directed at people of the LGBTQ community. The person who made the comment thought that his radio station was still on commercial break, and he didn't realize that when he said it, he was actually on the air. Both of them were suspended. Both of them may lose their jobs permanently. I probably don't need to tell you that we live in a world where there is a big emphasis on inclusiveness, a big emphasis on treating absolutely everyone with kindness and respect, and especially if those people belong to a group that maybe at times has has sort of been treated as though they are outsiders. People in the minority, people who have sometimes been pushed to the margins or maybe even mistreated. In fact, there's such an emphasis on inclusiveness that very few things can get you into hot water faster or cause you to lose your job faster than if you are not inclusive. And because that's the case, we might be tempted to wish that that maybe it would have been better if the cameras hadn't been rolling and the microphone hadn't been turned on when Jesus had this encounter that we hear about in today's gospel. Jesus had an encounter with a a woman who in every way was an outsider. And at first, he ignores her. Then he dismisses her. And then it sure seems as though he insults her. In fact, this behavior seems so out of character for Jesus that some people actually look at this account, especially these days, and they say that Jesus is actually demonstrating racism and bigotry here but thankfully this woman helps teach him a very important lesson. And yet even for people who know that Jesus never sinned, and Jesus certainly didn't need to be taught a lesson about anything from from anyone, even for us, it's a very difficult account to try and, and deal with and try and understand. And we might be tempted to think that out of all the accounts and all the encounters that Jesus had that Matthew could have included in his gospel, maybe it would have been better if this one had just been left out. And yet, in spite of everything that we hear about inclusiveness in our world and how good it is and how important it is, there is one thing that is often missing, and it is that answer to that very important question, why? Why should we be inclusive? On what basis and for what reason should we treat others with kindness and respect, especially if they are very different from us? I mean, when I look around at the world and I see people who are different from me, in all kinds of different ways. Why shouldn't I 
use that as a reason to view myself as superior to them? Why shouldn't I surround myself with people who think and walk and talk and look and act just like me and exclude and maybe even mistreat people who don't? I'm not saying we shouldn't be inclusive, of course. I'm just saying we, we sort of need a reason why. In fact, maybe that explains why we still have to hear so much about inclusiveness. Why, in spite of our best efforts and in spite of the fact that everyone is against these things, there is still racism and bigotry in our world. Why haven't we just been able to eliminate those things? Well, in spite of everything that we hear, maybe it's because we don't really hear or have an answer to that question of why. But that's exactly what these verses provide to us this morning. Not just more of the same, not just more of what we could hear anywhere else, but something unique, something that really helps Jesus' disciples get dialed in to make sure that they are on the same frequency as him. It is a lesson that Jesus wants to teach to his disciples, to people who are insiders, and it's a lesson that he wants to teach them about how to think about and how to treat outsiders. So as we look at these verses from Matthew 15 this morning, we are not only going to see that Jesus insists, we're also going to see why Jesus insists that insiders are inclusive. I actually wish there was a, a video camera that had captured this encounter on tape because I think it would help us to be able to see what Jesus was doing instead of just being able to read about it. We don't have video footage, of course, but we do have some very important clues in Matthew's account that help us understand what is going on here. So Matthew tells us that Jesus had withdrawn from the region of Galilee, where all of the crowds that followed him around were, and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, not to those cities specifically where the people were, but he went to the area around those cities where there weren't any people. It seems Jesus very much wanted to be secluded. He wanted to have some alone time with his disciples. In fact, in Mark's account of this very same episode, he tells us that Jesus found a house and sort of hold himself up in that house, hoping that no one would find out where he was. And so when this Canaanite woman from that area does find Jesus, what's important for us to understand is that Jesus wants to use this encounter with her to do the very thing that he had come to that place to do in the first place. He wanted to use that encounter to teach his disciples an important lesson. So at first, this woman cries out to Jesus for help. She has a daughter who is demon-possessed, and she cries out to Jesus for help, it seems, from a distance. Maybe she's even outside the house, and Jesus is on the inside. And at first, Jesus just ignores her. He doesn't say a word. Seems a little bit rude, doesn't it? And yet notice what it forces about the situation. It forces Jesus' disciples to sort of wrestle with, well, what is Jesus going to do and what should Jesus do? I mean, think about it. If someone were outside right now pounding on, on the glass door, calling out for my name, and I didn't immediately do something about it, you would sort of be awkwardly caught in the middle. Well, what's he going to do? What should he do? And so the disciples come up with an idea. They say, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. That may not be as dismissive as it sounds. They may actually be suggesting that Jesus should do what she's asking so that she could then go away and, and, and the racket and the noise would all stop. But then Jesus does finally respond. And when Jesus responds, 
perhaps the woman hears what Jesus says, but it's very clear that Jesus' response is actually directed at his disciples. He says, I was sent only to help the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, listen, boys, there are two groups of people in the world. There are insiders and there are outsiders. And you and me were the insiders. In fact, I was sent primarily to help the insiders, but she is an outsider. Again, he is forcing them to sort of wrestle with, okay, if that's true, what are you, you going to do about this? How are you going to handle this situation? Well, then at, at some point, the woman finds her way right up to Jesus, and she kneels down at Jesus' feet again, crying out to him for help. And this time when Jesus responds, it's very obvious that she does hear what Jesus says, and yet again, it may be as, though, as if Jesus is actually addressing it primarily to his disciples. We can kind of picture him saying what he says this way. It is not right to take the bread that belongs to the children and just throw it to the dogs. There are blessings that come that are given directly to the insiders primarily. There are insiders and outsiders, and God has blessings that are given just for the insiders, and it's not right to take them and just give them to the outsiders. And so that's when this woman articulates the very important truth and the very beautiful truth that Jesus had wanted his disciples to hear. Maybe he had been waiting for them to say it, I'm not sure, but she's the one who actually says it. I'm not sure when or where she learned this important lesson, but here's what she says. She says, yes, it is, Lord, because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So she actually agrees with Jesus' premise. Yes, there are insiders and outsiders, and yes, I know that I am an outsider, but the blessings that God intends to give to these insiders are intended to spill over so that the outsiders benefit from them as well. Now, in Jesus' day, the insiders that he is talking about are the Jews. Out of all the nations of the earth, God had chosen them to be his special people, and he had sort of drawn a line around them by giving them a very special set of commands and promising them very specific blessings that were reserved just for them. That meant that everybody else, the Gentiles, they were the outsiders. But from the be very beginning, God made it clear that the whole reason he had chosen one specific people out of all the nations of the earth was so that he could keep his promise to send a Savior into the world. That Savior was to come from the Jews. And yet he was not going to be a Savior just for the Jews. He was going to be a Savior for all nations. And so, yes, those blessings that were given directly to just the insiders, they were very much intended to spill over and benefit the outsiders as well. In fact, God gave so much bread to his children, his special chosen people, that even the crumbs that fell from the table and fell to the Gentiles were more than enough to satisfy even their deepest spiritual hunger. This is the first lesson Jesus wants to teach us about why insiders should be inclusive. It's because insiders exist for the benefit of the outsiders. That's a lesson Jesus wants us to learn as well. In our day, that, that line between insiders and outsiders is, is not drawn on 
racial or national lines the way it was in Jesus' day, but there very much still is a line drawn by Jesus that separates the insiders from the outsiders. There are, on the one hand, people who have faith in Jesus, who listen to and trust what his word says, and there are people in our world who have nothing but scorn for faith and for religion and who ridicule what the Bible says. There are people who strive in their lives to follow God's commands and live in a way that pleases him. And there are people who have just one rule for their life. What is it that I want to do? What is it that will make me happy? There are people in our world who prioritize with their calendars and with their budgets, spiritual things and eternal things. And there are people who live just for the here and now. There is a line that divides insiders from outsiders. And yet Jesus wants us to know that the blessings that come to those who are insiders are intended to spill over and also benefit the outsiders. So what a shame when just the opposite is true. What a shame when we use our status as insiders as an excuse to think that we are superior or that someone else is inferior. When we use it as an excuse to ridicule or mock or even mistreat someone. When we use it as an excuse to view someone who's on the outside as a threat, as if they're going to take our blessings away. And so we constantly have this defensive posture and we're ready to spar at a moment's notice. What a shame when we use it as an excuse to just ignore or unfriend or unfollow someone. What a shame when it happens, what, as Paul describes in today's reading, that that dividing line that Jesus drew between insiders and outsiders actually turns into a wall, a wall of hostility. Jesus wants to remind us that the blessings we enjoy as insiders are intended to spill over and benefit the outsiders. Your faith in Jesus is intended to draw other people closer to Jesus. Your knowledge of God's command and your obedience to those commands is intended to demonstrate to the world around you the beauty and the wisdom of God's design for our lives. Your prioritization of spiritual things and heavenly things is intended to show people what it looks like to be free from our slavery to the pleasures and the passions of the moment. In fact, what Jesus talks about in these verses, that is the very thing that he has done for us. The entire reason that we are insiders is because he worked through someone else to do this for us. The blessings that he poured out on some other insider spilled over and just fell into our laps undeserved. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend or a coworker, maybe it was even a child maybe a pastor or a teacher. This is how God takes people who are on the outside and brings them in, and that includes you and me. And when that happens, you should see how Jesus reacts. Once again, I, I wish we had this caught on videotape, because as soon as this woman hits the nail on the head and articulates this beautiful truth, it's as if the entire scene just flips. Once again, up until this point, Jesus' attention was all dedicated 
to his disciples, his followers. But as soon as she says what he says, Matthew tells us, then, then, when she said that, then he turned to her. And his admiration, his delight, his awe just came spilling out. Oh, wow. Woman, you have great faith. Did you know that in the Gospels, there are only two times where Jesus commends someone for having great faith? And both of them are Gentiles. Both of them are outsiders. In other words, when this woman says that even the dogs benefit from the crumbs that fall from their master's table, Jesus responds not just by giving her more crumbs. Instead, right in the presence of his disciples, right in the presence of these insiders, Jesus kind of rearranges the table to make room for one more seat. He puts down one more place setting, and in fact, he gives one more heaping helping of the blessings that he came to bring to the insiders. He grants her request. He heals her daughter. He doesn't just leave her in the position where she was before, sort of an indirect beneficiary of the blessings primarily intended for the insiders. Instead, he makes her an insider. He does exactly what Paul described in today's second reading, how Jesus took that wall of hostility and he just tore it down. He made her a member of the family of God, a full-fledged, card-carrying citizen in the kingdom of God. And that's the second reason why Jesus wants insiders to be inclusive. It's because through faith in Jesus, we are all equally insiders. Again, that's a, a lesson that he wants us to learn as well. So there's this line between insiders and outsiders, and yet even when someone who's on the outside then becomes an insider, it's still very much possible to perceive differences that exist among us. I don't know if you knew this, but even in a church like ours, not everyone is exactly the same. There are some people who are young and some people who are old. Don't worry, I'll let you decide which category you want to be a part of. There are males and there are females. There are people who are financially very well off and people who aren't. There are people who are very well educated and people who are not. There are people who very much agree with you about politics and pandemics and parenting and things like that, and there are people who don't. And yet Jesus wants us to know that we are all one big family of insiders, that we have far more in common than we do have different. And so what a shame when the, when the opposite is true. What a shame when we look at those differences and we use them as an excuse to get really, really close to some people, not that that's a bad thing, but, but then at the same time we just kind of ignore or keep at a distance others. What a shame when we use those differences to sort of be suspicious of someone else or maybe even to look down on them. What a shame when we use those differences to think that certain members in this church would be more valuable than others. What a shame when we use those differences and it, as an excuse or as a basis for actual divisions. Jesus wants us to remember that as a church, when we sit down as a family at a table, there are not some places of honor that belong to some people and places of less honor that belong to others. 
There's not a, a, an adult table and a kiddie table. Instead, Jesus takes the people who seem as though they are nothing in the eyes of the world. And he sets a place for them right next to the people who may seem as though they are something. In fact, again, Jesus has done that very same thing for all of us. I mean, what if Jesus were actually to sort of set up a, a, a ranking system within his church, sort of a hierarchy of who's more important and who's less important? We might look around a, a church like ours and eh, be pretty happy with where we think that we would fall. But of course, it wouldn't just be our church that's taken into account. It would be the entire Christian church of all places and all times. And that includes people who have laid down their very lives for their confession in Christ. It includes people who have traveled the world and who have given up everything in order to share their faith in Christ. And of course, when God is making this ranking system, he's not just going to look at the things that other people see. He sees everything about us. He knows each and every sin that we commit when no one else is looking and even behind closed doors. And yet, what does he do? He takes each and every one of us. He takes you. He takes your child. He takes your pastor. He takes your vicar. He takes his 12 disciples. He takes the Apostle Paul and Abraham and David and Moses and Martin Luther, and he gives us all exactly the same status, exactly the same place at the table. Through faith in Jesus, we all have been made insiders. As I mentioned before, there, there are some people who look at this story and think that this woman is teaching Jesus an important lesson. There are other people who think that Jesus is actually teaching this woman an important lesson. I don't think either one is the case, at least not primarily. Primarily, Jesus is teaching his disciples an important lesson with the help of a very surprising and very remarkable teacher's assistant, we might say. And that lesson is that thing that is so often missing. For as much as we hear about inclusiveness, about how good it is and how wonderful it is, that lesson is the answer to the question, why? Jesus insists that insiders are inclusive because insiders exist for the benefit of outsiders and because through faith in Jesus, we all have become insiders. And so why should insiders be inclusive? Well, maybe we could say it as simply as this. It's because long before insiders were asked to be inclusive, we were all outsiders who, by God's grace, were included. Amen. Amen.